Danny has set the stage for us already. Scripture says, study to show thyself to prove unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's what you're doing here. You're studying the scripture for that purpose. And it's out of God's word that this school grew. Um, now, I have good news and bad news for you this morning. You already know the bad news. It's going to be a history lesson. <laughs> the good news is it's nap time. <laughs> taking us back uh, to way the beginning days of the school and its predecessors, which were actually two different schools, and I'll introduce them to you as we go along. Um, back in the early 1950s, there were a group of pastors who got together uh, and said, you know, we need a Bible school in Montana. Because what they saw happening at that point was our young people we're going out of state. We were going to Canada or Washington or to Multnomah or wherever, Chicago to Moody. You know, we're going out of state and getting our Bible training, and then nobody was coming back. They would get stationed in those other areas. They kind of get their feet on the ground there, and they would stay. And we were having a desperate time getting pastors in churches particularly small churches, like we have all over Montana. And so they, out of that burden, said, we need to form a school here so our young people can stay here and be trained to reach the people in Montana. That was the early beginning of the school. One of, one of those men was, uh, I think at that time, one of the, the pastor here at Grace uh, it was uh, then Grace Tabernacle, I believe. That uh, was before it was Grace Baptist and became Grace Bible. And his name was Simon Forsberg. And um, so he kind of became the leader of this. And somehow it moved from, I don't know how it moved from here to Billings, but the school ended up in Billings. There was a man there that gave us 25 acres for a campus. And so um, a couple of buildings were put on that property. And uh, we now had... Uh, a ladies' dorm and a men's dorm, and combined in all of that were the classrooms and offices and everything within those two buildings. Um, our, my, my wife was talking to me, she said, she said, you remember that? She said, our dining hall, I said, yeah, our dining hall was also the classroom. We had one classroom and a dining hall. And off of the dining hall was the kitchen. You just opened those up and down doors over the counter uh, to serve food out of there. So the kitchen was there. In the back corner was a little tiny room that was called a library. And um, that was where we met. I mean, we did classes and chapel and ate, and we did everything in that one room. And then the girls' dorm was upstairs, and the guys' dorm was uh, in the one uh, just across the sidewalk from there. So out of a, a small beginning, and not very many students. Um, when I was your, uh, younger than you guys, um, I would go to Bible camp. And um, at that time, Grace, Wilsow, Manhattan Bible, Livingston Bible, and Paradise Valley were going together and doing a summer Bible camp. And uh, they would hold it up highlight. There was a campground up there that they would use for that. And um, so... At that, that camp, uh, there would often be a team of young people come um, from 
either Prairie or Briarcrest or one of the Canadian schools would send a team down here. And I thought, man, you know, that would really be neat to go to one of those schools. And, uh, and I had a great desire to go to one of those schools and sing in one of their men's quartets. I enjoy singing, and I thought, you know, just be great. And, and my, my really wish was to sing bass. Well, a few years later, when I ended up in Seattle, and I would talk to people on the phone who did not know me, and they would say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, I decided I'll never be a bass. <laughs> and um, the other problem was the school was small enough at that point that by the time we got to my senior year, there were only three guys in the dorm, and one of them was tone deaf, and the other one didn't sing much. So that was kind of the end of ever being in a men's quartet um, <laughs> that I had dreamed of. But, but those dreams led me ultimately to uh, Montana Institute of the Bible in Billings. Um, it's kind of a, you know, this happens, it became a family school for us. My cousin was there and he graduated. My, my other cousin married him and she had two years. And then I went there, and my wife went there, and we both graduated. And my, sis- my brother and sister-in-law went there, and they both graduated. My sister and her husband had one year there. So a lot of us were pretty closely associated with that old MIB school in Billings. Um, wasn't very big, but it was committed to teaching the Word of God. And uh, that's what we learned. We learned God's Word, and we learned how to defend God's Word, and we learned how to how to stand for what it said, uh, to the point that I, like some of you, went on to college after that because it was only a three-year school. We only received a diploma, not a bachelor's degree. And, um, and I felt, you know, a lot of churches want their pastor to at least have a bachelor's degree. You should at least graduate from college. So felt like I needed to go on and get some more training, uh, which I did at Seattle Pacific. I was telling one of your students, I ended up there with a professor that he and I didn't see eye to eye in all theological things. He is Presbyterian background, had been a missionary in Africa, had, uh, I, I counted one time he could speak five or six different languages. He was an amazing man, but he had done his master's thesis to, to prove that dispensationalism was not right. And I was a strong dispensationalist. And so we got into some lengthy discussions uh, with him in some of his classes. And you know, I'm, I was so glad that I had good Bible training because I knew, I knew where I was standing. And, and it was all right if he didn't agree with me. You know, I, have, I have come up with this philosophy. People don't have to agree with me if they don't want to. They can go ahead and be wrong. <laughs> So I let him go ahead and be wrong if he wanted to. Um, but uh, the result of that was that we developed really a close friendship over the years. And that professor, my college professor later on when I graduated would come to Livingston. Whenever he was coming through, he would stop and visit me. He would call me from Butte and say, my ETA in Livingston is going to be at 145. Meet me at McDonald's. And we'd go and have lunch together. And then he'd say, no, I need a nap. Can I come over to your house? He'd come to my house, lay down, take a nap for two hours, and get up and go on his way. <laughs> we formed some good friendships, uh, though we didn't always agree theologically. But it deepened my faith because I had really been taught 
the word of God. I knew what it said. I knew what was right. And so, you know, I could take those things and it didn't sway me, didn't move me from my position at all, uh, probably only strengthened my faith as a result of that. So anyway, uh, the school was founded for the purpose of training pastors for Montana. Well, I had gone off to Seattle, and um, now I graduated from Seattle Pacific, and, and so I was um, ready to, to think about going into a pastorate. And um, I looked around Seattle, and there were two or three Bible churches there uh, that were looking for pastors, and I thought, uh, you know, one of them will give me a call, and I waited and waited and didn't get a call from them. And I thought, I don't know what God is doing, but I don't understand why he's not, they need a pastor, and here I am. And um, then I discovered that the Lord had other plans. That summer, I uh, came home to Montana for, just for a little break to help my dad on our farm a little bit while I was here. Um, one of my uncles saw a fellow from Livingston, and he said, why don't you guys have my nephew come and preach at your church? And they didn't have a pastor at that time. They were a little church. They were struggling. I later found out that that summer they had only had two services. Uh, they were just on their last legs. There was not 20 people uh, left in the church. And they called me to become the pastor, and that's how we ended up there for uh, 40 years. I told the Lord when I came, they'd never had anybody more than two or three years before that. I said, Lord, I would like to have a long-term ministry. Because I had looked at a, at a magazine, a Christian magazine, and I that was on Sunday schools and Christian education. And I became very interested in it. And I discovered, because I had this philosophy that a pastor should move about every five years. That gives the congregation fresh ideas and fresh people, and he, he gets on to other people and broadens his ministry. So that was my idea. But in this article I, I saw by Elmer Towns, he had done a study of the 20 largest Sunday schools. They were... Uh, and, and one of the things he discovered there was how long has each pastor been there? And there wasn't a pastor who had been there less than 30 years. And I said, oh, there's something to sticking around. <laughs> um, so I said to the Lord, I'd like to have a long-term ministry, thinking they've never had anybody more than two or three years. Maybe 10 would be long-term. Well, when it got on towards 40, I kept saying, Lord, I didn't mean this long. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> God was very good to us. One of the reasons I came back to Livingston was because some men had founded Montana Institute of the Bible to train pastors to work in Montana. And I wanted to come back because of that. Because of the vision of those guys way, way back in the early 1950s. School remained in Billings for a number of years, then they moved from there to Lewistown, became Big Sky Bible College, uh, they were having trouble getting water on the campus site at Billings. It was out of town a ways, and Billings said, we won't have water there, city water, for 10 years. And so uh, they bought a, an old Air, uh, Air Force uh, base, uh, ra actually a radar station at Lewistown. And it was really a wonder, in a lot of ways, a wonderful campus. Um, because it had belonged to the military, you had the dormitories for all enlisted men, so you had dormitory space, obviously kitchen and dining hall space. Along with that, because it's 15 miles out of town, it was its own little community within itself. I mean, the own post office system. Um, on the campus, there were 23 um, 
very nice homes that were built for officers uh, to live in. And so we had all of these houses for faculty and uh, dormitory space. We had our own, we even had our own fire truck. And uh, we had our own bowling alley. And uh, you know, we, we just had everything you needed you know, to, to, to have a, a nice campus there. And, um, and it was a great idea, uh, but there were a couple of things that happened over the years. One of them was indebtedness, and the school began to go in debt uh, for things, and they began to borrow more and more and more. And that indebtedness uh, finally got them into trouble to where they couldn't pay the bills anymore. They had borrowed money from people all over the state of Montana, Christian people. There was, there's a family that attends here at Grace now uh, who gave the school all the money that they had saved for their kids to go to college when they grew up. Only when their kids grew up, there was no money left because the school had gone bankrupt. And when they went bankrupt, they not only went bankrupt and they sold they sold everything. We had an auction. We sold all the furniture. We sold everything that we had. The 23 houses went to one of the banks that had a lien on them. Um, from the rest of the stuff, we paid off what bills we could. Everybody got about 10 cents for every dollar that they had put into the school. And when all of that was done, we still owed $1 million to people. I tell you that to tell you, now you know why we have a no-debt policy. Because we don't want that to happen again. <laughs> um, I can also tell you that I'm happy to say that that million dollars is completely paid. Because when Montana Bible College was established, and the men who established this school, the early men on the board said, we don't want that kind of a testimony in Montana. And furthermore, we think it needs to be taken care of. And they set aside 11 cents of every dollar that came into the school that was undesignated. It designated stuff not. But if something came in as just a general gift, undesignated, they took 11 cents. They felt that was more than a tithe. Rather than 10%, they took 11 and put it towards that debt. And individuals began to give towards that debt. And I can tell you uh, it was with great joy a number of years ago now that we took a bank to uh, a check to the other bank in Lewistown that had not secured their property for uh, something $185,000, I think, and um, completely paid off all of that million-dollar debt. Um, it was a great testimony. It was interesting because when we walked into the bank with that check and handed it to the bank president, which the bank had since changed hands, so he didn't know anything about it. He looked at that check and he said, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, and so they put it towards uh, some, some things in Lewistown that would help the community. But all of those financial problems are what led us to the point where we said, we will be a debt-free school. We won't allow students to accumulate debt, and as a school, we will not accumulate debt. And so we have operated on that principle since then. Um, uh, in so many ways, that's a blessing. I know it's hard when you're going to school and you really need some money. And it's so tempting to try to get a loan someplace. 
uh, and, all, and there's all those government loans out there that they want to give to you, and, and we have said no to all of that. But uh, I can tell you when you get done, and uh, you walk out of here with your degree, you will be so happy to not be like every other college student around the country who owes twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars in student loans. Because many of you will go into ministry positions uh, that don't pay that much. Now, sometimes God makes arrangements for us and he allows us to earn money and, and, and he provides for us in numerous ways and the stories could just go on and on about all the ways that God provides for us and he does that. Uh, but I'll tell you that part of the story because I think it's good for you to know that they didn't just decide, well, we won't let you accumulate a debt just out of the clear blue sky. It's because we look back and see what happened and we see what damage that could have been to the testimony of Christ. Thankfully, it's taken care of and God has been honored. In that. And we just praise the Lord uh, for that and, and for being able to take care of that huge indebtedness of a million dollars. I don't know if you've sat down to figure out how much a million dollars is, but it's way more than I can understand. It's a lot of money. Um, so God has been wonderful to us uh, in allowing that and allowing you to come here. And, and your stories could be multiplied over and over again of how God is providing for you to get through here debt-free. And and. It would be interesting to be able to just sit with you and hear all the stories you have of things that God has done, jobs that he's given you, things he's done with uh, through other people, scholarships that you've gotten that you didn't expect. You know, it just is, is endless. All the things that God does uh, to provide for us and take care of, of our needs. And isn't that exactly what he's promised to do? I will meet your needs, not our wants, but our needs. And uh, he promises to take care of all of those things. Well, over the years as this school has grown from a little tiny school in Billings and then moved to Lewistown and then lost everything. And, 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 and if you went to that campus today, there's nothing left there. Um, I suppose the bank sold houses to a developer who uh, sold those 23 houses and made some money and the rest of the campus was... Uh, was turned into uh, some businessmen from Lewistown bought it and I, I don't know what all they've turned it into at this point if it's even operational anymore um, but all through the years it's our testimony that God has been faithful and um, then as we have begun the school here and seen how God was faithful uh, I look back to the days on the board when we didn't have any property for dormitories and um, Actually, my son uh, came uh, to school here for a year uh, before the school really had dorm. They rented a couple of places, um, duplexes or whatever. My son lived out on halfway out to Four Corners in a trailer park with three other guys in a in a trailer court out there in a trailer house. That was his dorm room. I <laughs> know. Um, and you miss all that fellowship that you get in the dorms and the blessing of being with each other and, and all of that. It's just not available when you have. So I look back and say, you know, God has provided for us to be able to buy the property 
and then build a dorm and then build another building and another building. And he's done that. And uh, we've done it debt free. And uh, so we just rejoice in what God has done uh, through these years to take a little tiny school established to bring some pastors to Montana. And now just look and see our students who have graduated and those of you who will be soon going out and ministering in some of these small churches and some of them not able to pay a salary that you can live on. I mean, you, you'll be bivocational. And you do that. You know that. You know that's what's going to happen. But you do it full well knowing that God will use that and how God will use you in the ministry uh, to reach the lives of people. Not all of you may graduate. Some of you will be in the one-year program. Some a couple of years. You know, I look around at churches in Montana, and I see people who have had one year or two years or three years of Bible college, and now they're, they're working in their home church. Um, a personal story. The church I came to in Livingston had nobody with any Bible background there. They didn't. They had some guys come from Lewistown in the Bible college there and speak, so they knew a little bit of what they wanted, but they really didn't know what they wanted. So when I got there, uh, I should have brought the doctrinal statement for some of you theologians to look at. I, I really wasn't intending to candidate, but they asked me to become the pastor, and they, some, somebody said, have you seen our doctrinal statement? And I said, um, yes, and with a kind of a hard swallow, because I had seen it, and it was a half a typewritten page. And it, it said things like this, we believe in the Apostles' Creed, but we don't use it in our services. We believe in the Old and New Testament by interpretation. I wasn't sure what that meant. <laughs> Neither was anybody else sure what that meant. <laughs> and it had some general statements like that that you just didn't really know, didn't tell you where they were at all. And um, so finally one lady said to me, um, I don't know if we believe that anymore. I think we might need to rewrite it. So I thought, now what do I say? I've seen it, and any good, but it needs to be rewritten, but I don't want to tell you that. <laughs> so um, anyway, the upshot of that was that they, they gave me a call uh, to come to the church, and I went and met with them the next Sunday morning, and I said, I'm going back to Seattle. I will send you a copy of my doctrinal statement, and after you've seen it, you vote again. You forget the vote you took. You vote again. So I did, knowing that this was going to be the end of all. Because my doctrinal statement I had written for my ordination, and it was about 10 pages long. And I thought, this will blow them out of the water when they see this. They took it, then they went through it, line by line, as a church. And when they got done, they voted again to call me. And when I went there, they said, now, Pastor, we think we need to rewrite our doctrinal statement. Can we use yours as a model? And I thought, you can't get it wrong if you do that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can get along. Because I had told them, I said, 
if, if you don't agree with what I believe, and I teach what you don't agree with, one of two things will happen. I'll cause a serious split in this church. And they only had 20 people. They couldn't afford a split. <laughs> or I will lead you in a direction that you don't want to go. And so now we're on the same page. And that's how God opened up for us a long-term ministry there. Um, you know, all of these things are possible because of the good Bible training that I got at MIB. And then I was privileged to be on the board at Big Sky Bible College before I actually came on the board here. And to be associated with schools that, that I am so committed to because I know what change it made in my life. And if it did that for me, it can do that for you. And it can put you in a position where God can marvelously use you. It's a joy to have you here as students. It's a joy to be part of this school. Uh, and my, my, my greatest regret as a board member is that I don't get to know you personally. Um, because if I could be in the classroom with you, it would be so fun. Um, somebody, uh, one of the gals here asked me, did I ever take a class here? And I said, yes, I did. I took one class here. Um, because we had a professor at that time, Norm Milliken, who was a great man in the business world. And I took a class in business stuff because every church leader knows how to know how to run the church. Too many pastors have a lot of faith and no business sense. And uh, we need some good business sense. That's the reason we want to help you in some of those areas also. And we're committed to doing that. All right. I think according to that clock, it says my time is over. I would be glad to. Thank you, Father, for every student that you have sent here to be taught in the word of God, to rightly divide the word of truth. Thank you, Father, for their lives. God, I pray for their homes and their families from which they come. Bless them and their home churches. Uh, Lord, pray for our staff and faculty. Uh, bless them, Lord, as they labor together with you here uh, day by day. Uh, we are so grateful for every blessing that you give to us. Dismiss us now with your peace and your joy resting abiding upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.